Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Thursday, October 24th, 2019. I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we talk about all things spoke to be, all things black and gold, all things bears, all things bees, whatever you want to call the team. I also like to take a quick look around the NHL to see how Boston's competition is faring and uh, take a look at some storylines making waves around the league. Now, to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. The best way to uh, keep track of when a new podcast drops is to subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins via your podcast app of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I personally use Pocket Casts on my Android phone. Um, So yeah, wherever you listen, please subscribe so that you're notified whenever a fresh episode drops. Now today on the show, uh, the Bruins are in the midst of a few days off, so we'll just take a quick look at uh, what they're up to during this mini break. Uh, we'll also take a look at the NHL power rankings from my perspective, which I am calling all the president's men on this show, uh, meaning teams that are in early contention for the president's trophy. Uh, very early, obviously, but we'll take a look week by week and see who's on track for that coveted regular season award. And then, like I mentioned, at the end of the show, We'll take a quick look around the NHL uh, and some headlines, rumors, anything that jumps up and grabs my attention. As I mentioned, the Bruins are off until Saturday. Uh, They last played Tuesday night, a win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they're taking advantage of this break in order to uh, get some much-needed rest. They had a short summer based on their long playoff run. Uh, Then training camp, they've played nine games so far here in October, and now they have uh, a few days off. They actually did have a light practice on Wednesday afternoon, uh, but now they're not practicing today. They'll return to the ice tomorrow to prepare for Saturday's game against the Blues. And and of that uh, kind of schedule for the week, Bruce Cassidy said Wednesday, he said typically we'd have a day off after a game, but then they had Thursday and Friday off, uh, and then they play three games in four days following that. They play St. Louis, then they play the Rangers on Sunday in New York, and then they're right back home on Tuesday to take uh, on the San Jose Sharks. Uh, so he said in talking to the medical staff, strength and conditioning coaches, even the players, they thought it would be better to skate uh, on Wednesday following the game against Toronto uh, just to stay loose. Uh, not much of a heavy work day, but just kind of a uh, light skate uh, heading into to the day off today. Um, obviously, as the week goes on, the uh, date with the St. Louis Blues will become top of mind. Everybody still remembers Game 7, the uh, bitter result from that game, and uh, having watched the Blues raise the Stanley Cup on TD Garden Ice, uh, I'm sure it'll a bit emotional uh, playing that team again in Boston, um, but uh, the Bruins are off to a hot start, and Cassidy said, I didn't think there was any doubt we'd be ready to go, despite that um, 
really tough ending to the season. We've got a competitive group. It was going to be a matter of everybody staying healthy, which side note, they have not uh, really, as David Krejci's missed some games, Carson Kuhlman's now sidelined. Uh, but he said, you know, early on they were rusty on the offensive side of things, but they found a way to win. Uh, the secondary scoring has increased a little bit in recent games. Goaltending was sharp, timely scoring, penalty kill was solid. We did enough things well early to scratch out wins. Now you're seeing guys get more into the flow of it offensively. So the fact that the Bruins have jumped out to such a great start, uh, they're 6-1-2 and two through their first nine games. Uh, after that emotional loss to St. Louis, uh, without the benefit of a lot of secondary scoring, uh, it bodes well for uh, just sustained success uh, throughout the regular season. Uh, now I mentioned David Krejci has been out. He was back on the ice before practice on Wednesday. Uh, Cassidy said he's back skating, which is obviously step one. Uh, he'll try to get through practice Friday with uh, full contact. Um, that's up to the medical team. If he gets through an, the practice, we can make a decision for Saturday. So there's a chance that David Krejci might be in for Saturday's game against uh, the Blues, but with three games in four days coming up, uh, they might be a bit more cautious with him. He said typically he wouldn't come right back in a situation where it's three and four. He's been out a little bit with a couple lingering injuries, we probably err on the side of caution there, make sure he's close to 100% and not force him in at 80% or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's not uh, – there's a chance Critchie will be back, but they may want to exercise a bit of caution and not really throw him deep into the fire with those uh, three games coming up in four days. Joaquin Nordstrom did practice in full on Wednesday, and he appears to be progressing toward a return on Saturday after missing two games. Uh, with Carson Kuhlman out, that would mean that they would need uh, someone to take Krejci's place if he is not able to go. Uh, that might be Anders Bjork. He, of course, played uh, against Toronto on Tuesday. He was sent back to Providence on Wednesday. Um, but Cassidy said he played well. He earned the right to come back. Uh, going back to Krejci, he was back on the, the ice. And Nordstrom was a full participant in practice yesterday. So a lot of it was just a paper move to get um, some salary cap relief, uh, which Cassidy acknowledged. Uh, Cassidy also said he thinks Bjork did enough to get another look. I can't guarantee if it'll be Saturday, but that's what we're looking at now. So if Krejci can't go, um, and with Kuhlman also out, even with Nordstrom coming back, then it's possible that we'll see... Um, Bjork recalled in time for Saturday's game against the St. Louis Blues. One other roster note that I think uh, is important to keep in mind is that uh, this was tweeted out um, yesterday by Dominic Tiano, at Dominic Tiano, uh, who you should all follow. He covers the NA Ontario Hockey League for OHL writers. Uh, he also tweets about the Bruins and the NHL in general, and he mentioned that Connor Clifton will, will require waivers after 15 more games played. So that would be up to November 26th against the Habs. Uh, Kevin Miller has been skating, and he appears close to returning. So if he returns prior to that date and the Bruins decide to add him to the roster, um, then Clifton can go down to the AHL 
without having to go through waivers. If Moore's injury lingers and they have to make a decision after the 26th, then Clifton would have to go on waivers. And uh, you know what? Chances are that he would get uh, nabbed off waivers. We saw Lucas Pisa get picked up off waivers by the Winnipeg Jets uh, the other day. And Clifton, to be honest, I didn't really know much about Connor Clifton uh, before he emerged last year late last year, uh, but he has really impressed in his uh, in his time with the Bruins. I think he's responsible with the puck. He's, he's physical. He's able to get the puck out of his own zone and also create uh, some offense uh, for the team. So I don't think the Bruins would be keen to, to lose him on the waiver wire. And I would expect that um, they would try to make a deal either f- involving Clifton or Miller uh, to uh, – to clear up that situation there. So that's just something to keep an eye on as we head into November. Uh, that's a decision that's uh, about a month away. Um, if Moore's injury lingers, if if he's able to come back sooner than later, then it's something that uh, I would expect Clifton might be sent down and uh, maybe the Bruins showcase Miller for a little bit and hope that they can um, flip him on the trade market and then call Clifton back up, uh, but we'll see see what happens there. Steve Kampfer is also obviously a, a candidate to be uh, sent away as well. So something to keep an eye on, the Bruins' uh, defensive situation. Also, John Moore is injured, so we'll wait and see uh, what happens with him uh, if and when he's able to, to come back anytime too soon. So that's just a, a brief update on the Bruins. Uh, they'll be back practicing tomorrow so we'll know more about the lineup for for Saturday's game at that time um, coming out next like I mentioned we'll do all the president's men which is uh, a look at the NHL power rankings and my pick for the top five teams currently in the NHL all right it's time for all the president's men the NHL power rankings according to me Ian McLaren your host of the locked on Boston Bruins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, Like I've mentioned previously, I like to look at not points uh, in the standings, but uh, point percentage as kind of a baseline for uh, how teams are doing because it gives you uh, a sense of how successful teams have been within the schedule that they've been given. So, you know, some teams may have a lot more points than others, but they maybe have played two or three games more than others, uh, which would uh, explain that bump. But if teams have been successful in limited games, um, then that uh, bumps them up in my perception. So, for example, we look at the Arizona Coyotes. They are 5-2-0-1 to start the season, good for 11 points, and they're tied... Uh, currently, if you go by the NHL league standings, they're in 16th place, tied in points with Calgary, Tampa Bay, Nashville, Florida, St. Louis. But if you look at point percentage, based on the fact that they've only played eight games, they've won five um, of those, lost two in regulation, lost one in overtime. Their winning percentage, point percentage, is 688, and that puts them in sixth place. Um, so just to give you... Uh, kind of a solid example of how much point percentage uh, is valued uh, and why. 
that in mind, let's start with the top five teams in my NHL power rankings, all the president's men. Coming in at number five is the Washington Capitals. Now they have a record of 7-2-2 two, and two through 11 games, good for 16 points. First in the Metropolitan Division, second overall only to the Buffalo Sabres. Again, they've played 11 games, meaning their point percentage is lower than a few other teams. They're at uh, 727. Uh, that's good for fifth place. They've scored a league-high 41 goals, which is tremendous. They have allowed uh, 34 goals, which is tied for third uh, most among NHL teams. That's one reason why I'm bumping them down a touch to fifth place. But the Washington Capitals, obviously Stanley Cup champions a couple seasons ago. John Carlson is on fire to, to begin the season. He has 20 points uh, to date. And last I checked, he led the NHL in points. And that's still the case here now that I double check. He's got 20 points through 11 games. Uh, leads the NHL. Uh, so very impressive start for uh, Carlson, Ovechkin, and company. Um, but based on point percentage and the fact that they've played more games, uh, the most games among all NHL teams tied with um, Dallas, um, a, a bunch of other teams have played 11 games. But um, of my top five, they've played the most the Washington Capitals coming in in fifth place um, and potentially rising as the season goes on. Number four is the Edmonton Oilers. They are 7-2-1 uh, and one, um, with a point percentage of 750. Um, there is a bit of concern with this team as they have been shut out over the last two games. Uh, I believe they were beaten... Um, 3-0, 1-0 in games against Minnesota and Winnipeg. So a, a bit of a, a dip offensively for for this team. They are very heavily carried by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. James Neal had the explosive start to the season, but uh, he's cooled off a touch. Um, so secondary scoring uh, is an issue for this team. Um, but... They are getting some pretty solid goaltending from Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. They are on the lower end of the NHL when it comes to uh, Corsi 4 percentage, which, as I've mentioned before, is uh, a look at a team's share of shot attempts for and against. I look at it in 5-on-5 five five play, uh, courtesy of Natural Statric. Their um, Corsi percentage right now is 46-88, so... Um, pretty concerning number in that respect. They're down um, just above the Ottawa Senators in that uh, regard. So uh, a bit of a concern there for the Oilers. They need to get some more consistent uh, production from players not named McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, but to date, they're getting um, some pretty solid defensive play. They're only allowing 2.3 goals against per game. And that's uh, good for fifth in the NHL in that statistic. Um, so, you know, whether or not this uh, is sustainable remains to be seen. Uh, if they they're not able to kind of get that shot share up, then they could be in trouble. Shot attempt share, I should say. Uh, but uh, for the time being, I have them pegged as the uh, fourth place team in all the president's men. Coming in third is the Colorado Avalanche. They have played nine games. They're 7-1-1. One, and one. They have a win percentage of 833, which is second in the NHL. Um, 
again, with like the uh, Oilers, I have some concerns about uh, their Corsi 4 percentage. It's 47.57, which is 25th in the NHL, just above the Edmonton Oilers. And you look at their PDO, uh, which for those of you who've missed previous editions of this segment, PDO is adding up a team's shooting percentage and save percentage. Uh, and I look at it again at 5-on-5 five five play. Uh, the idea is that it will level off at uh, 100 and uh, with a save percentage of 90, uh, shooting percentage of 10%, those are kind of uh, baseline averages. Um, and if you look at it right now, it is pretty spot on with the St. Louis Blues have a even 100 PDO, and that is, uh, they're good for 14th in the NHL. There's obviously 31 teams, so that's pretty much right in the middle. Islanders are 15th with 998. Uh, right now, the Avalanche are uh, have the highest PDO with a number of 105.8. They're getting significant uh, goaltending from uh, Philip Grubauer and Philip Francus at 94.6 save percentage. Their shooting percentage is 1122. Uh, so uh, you would expect that their goaltending would regress a little bit. Uh, their shooting percentage would regress a touch as well. And if you add uh, the PDO with the fact that they're struggling to out attempt the opposition regularly, those are two numbers that are uh, really cause for concern in my mind, and that's why I'm bumping them down to third place. In second place, I am going to put the Buffalo Sabres. Yes, that's right. The team with the most points in the NHL, the team with the highest uh, point percentage. The Sabres have a record of 8-1-1 one, and one through 10 games, good for 17 points and a point percentage of uh, 8-5-0. Uh, but there are some uh, big questions about this team in my mind if we look at the underlying numbers. So much like uh, I mentioned with Colorado uh, and even uh, Edmonton to a certain degree, there is uh, a lot of room to question the sustainable success of this team. First of all, they have a PDO of 104.7, which is second tied with the Nashville Predators. They have a uh, shooting percentage of even 10 so uh, their uh, offense isn't really producing you know outlandish numbers that uh, 10 percent point percentage or shooting percentage i mean should be sustainable it's the goaltending that is really uh boosting them right now they have an five on five save percentage of 94 72 carter hutton has been remarkable to begin the season um, he's playing much better than I expected. That was one of my big questions about this team coming into the season. Um, he's, yeah, just really playing above his head. And if we look at uh, Corsi percentage for the Sabres, they are uh, 23rd in the NHL with a Corsi percentage of 47.68, which is 23rd. So uh, they are being out-attempted by the opposition. They're being bailed out significantly by Carter Hutton. And if these trends continue, you'd expect that Hutton won't be able to keep up his, uh, his numbers necessarily. And that would mean that uh, the Sabres will have a bit of a reality check uh, coming up 
in the near future, I would think. So, you know, all credit to the Sabres for the success that they have had so far. Carter Hutton has a 943 save percentage uh, just behind Tuka Rask, who leads the league 944. Darcy Kemper also has a 944 save percentage. Um, so Hutton uh, is really bailing out the Sabres, a team that's allowing uh, 32.6 uh, shots against per game they're, they're firing 30.9 at the opposition and like I mentioned they're regularly getting out attempted by the opposition particularly at even strength so if the power play is uh, getting boosted they do have a fourth ranked power play of 30.8 um, and that's really cause for concern for the Sabres so um, all credit to them again for getting off to a great start they're putting themselves in a position to uh, amass some valuable early season points and put them in the running for a playoff spot down the line. Um, I don't believe that Hutton will keep up this level of play. And I think that Corsi percentage is cause for concern. So I would expect the Sabres to take a bit of a, a fall at some point in the near future. Um, but if they can uh, continue with uh, this early season success, then I think they should be uh, pushing for a playoff spot down the line. So that brings us to the number one team, and I'm putting our Boston Bruins there. Um, you know, maybe you'll uh, people will accuse me of some bias there, but I think looking at the underlying numbers, they have a better case to make than uh, the uh, Sabres or the Avalanche. If you look at their Bruins PDO, Right now, they're 10th with a PDO of 101.1. They have uh, a very high save percentage with 94.35 numbers between Halak and Rask. Like I mentioned, Halak's leading the league. Rask Rask is leading the league. Halak isn't far down. Uh, What's keeping their PDO down is shooting percentage at 6.72. So I would expect, and like we've talked about ad nauseum so far, is that the secondary scoring has been an issue. Uh, it's starting to pick up. So even when um, Pasternak, Marchand begin to fall off a bit, we would expect the likes of Jake DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle, Danton Heinen, David Krejci when he gets back to boost that secondary scoring and to get the team's numbers at 5-on-5 five five a bit higher. If we go over to um, Corsi percentage, again, this is all via natural stat trick, uh, which is a fantastic resource. The Bruins are 10th with a positive Corsi 4 percentage of 51.55, just ahead of the Capitals, just below the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, So, yeah, if you look at their PDO, the fact that they're getting pretty remarkable goaltending to date, we'd expect that to drop off a bit. Shooting percentage, we'll expect to, to rise a bit. They're regularly out-attempting the opposition, so they're playing a solid possession game. Um, and uh, like I said, they're giving up only 2.11 goals per game, which is uh, second only to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and just above, oh, actually tied with Vancouver Canucks, which is, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, so based on point percentage, they're third in the NHL behind Buffalo and Colorado, but I think those underlying numbers give the Bruins uh, a bit of a bump. And it uh, looks like NHL.com, they just released their power rankings, and they agree with me that Boston at 6-1-2 and two 
is above Colorado. They have Washington in third, Buffalo fourth, and Vegas in fifth, actually. Um, and Edmonton all the way down at ninth. So just to recap, my personal top five, we have the Washington Capitals, uh, the Edmonton Oilers in fourth, Colorado Avalanche third, Buffalo Sabres in second, and our Boston Bruins up in first. Um, and I think, I hope I've made enough of a case to justify that and not being accused of just being a homer team uh, for, uh, you know, kind of kissing the Bruins' ass. But um, I think there is definitely a case to be made. There will be a good test coming up with these three games in four days uh, against, uh, you know, pretty good competition in the in the, the Blues, the Rangers, and the San Jose Sharks. And uh, if they emerge from that, I think the case will be even stronger for Boston to hold on to that number one ranking next week. So that's it for all the president's men this week. Uh, if you disagree vehemently, please at me on Twitter with your thoughts and uh, or lock or send an email to lockedonbostonbruins at gmail.com with uh, your case to be made for who uh, should be the top ranked team in the NHL to date. So now it's time of the show where we take a look around the NHL and look at some uh, headlines and rumors. There wasn't too much noteworthy on uh, Wednesday night. The one thing I would like to update is the status of Colorado Avalanche forward Miko Rantanen. He's listed as week-to-week after suffering a leg injury Monday against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, that's obviously going to hurt them. And uh, another reason why they're a bit below the Bruins on my uh power rankings this week in terms of uh trade speculation uh, elliot friedman uh if you listen to the 31 thoughts podcast he mentioned that uh buffalo sabers probably have some trades coming up on the blue line uh with uh uh brandon montour set to come back from injury he believes friedman that is he believes that marco scandella has become the trade uh, target in Buffalo doesn't look like Rasmus Ristolainen is um, the guy to be dealt at this point. He seems pretty happy uh, playing under Sabres' new head coach Ralph Kruger. Uh, Scandella is in the final year of a, a contract with an AAV of four million, uh, so he might be the guy on the outs there if and when the the Sabres do need to make a deal to clear up some uh, cap space and. Uh, deal with that depth, uh, good problem that they have there on, on defense. Um, Darren Drager reported that Islanders are working on trading Josh Hosang. Talked about him before. Uh, he's training and skating in Toronto after clearing waivers and requesting a trade earlier this month. So he hasn't obviously been playing for the Islanders. He hasn't been playing for their uh, AHL affiliate. Uh, kind of just waiting to see. Um, who might come to the table with a deal that uh, is palatable for the for the Islanders, and uh, so we'll see if um, anybody steps up to claim him. I did mention earlier in the week that that Joe Haggerty of NBC Sports Boston mentioned the Bruins might be in on him, but uh, I don't really see him as a Bruins type player. Uh, I would love to have him personally. I think he. Uh, has all the skill in the world, and uh, the Bruins need that secondary scoring and a boost of offense. But I don't, I don't think uh, Sweeney and 
uh, Neely, the guys up top, uh, want to bring in uh, a player who has yet to prove himself at the NHL level uh, and with some questions uh, defensively as well. One other Bruins-related item that I wanted to mention uh, before I sign off is that uh, former Bruins defenseman and Stanley Cup champion Dennis Seidenberg has announced his retirement from professional hockey, this courtesy of uh, Matt Coleman of WEEI. Uh, he reports uh, from, he picks up a report from Germany, where Seidenberg is from, uh, where Seidenberg says, Physically, I'm simply done. My wrists and shoulders are pretty messed up after 15 years in the NHL. The time has come to think about the next chapter and enjoy my life. Uh, Seidenberg, if you remember, came to the Bruins uh, in. Peter Shirelli's one of his better moves as a general manager. He picked up Seidenberg and the rights to Matt Bartkowski in exchange for Byron Bitts, Craig Weller, and a second-round pick. Uh, Seidenberg played for the Bruins for seven seasons, uh, consistently among the team leaders in shot blocks and hits. Uh, he was a quiet leader in the locker room, um, and he was an integral part of the Bruins' uh, run to the Stanley Cup in 2011. Uh, he missed uh, most of the 2010 run, uh, which uh, we all remember as coming to a devastating <laughs> conclusion. But uh, in 2011, he played all 25 games, recorded one goal, 10 assists alongside uh, Zdeno Chara. They formed an impenetrable uh, top defense pair, uh, just blocking shots, killing penalties, laying out the opposition with great regularity. And uh, he was just a really an important part of that uh, win over the Vancouver Canucks in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, he said, it was my toughest experience and the one I had to work the hardest for, but it was also the most satisfying. He had two assists in game seven, if you'll remember. He said, in the most important game of my career and under the most pressure, I was able to play my best hockey. No idea how that was possible. Uh, so we'll always have fond memories of Dennis Seidenberg. His career had a late resurgence after he was uh, jettisoned by the Bruins, after he uh, was able to play for uh, the world team at the uh, recent World Cup, and then he jumped on and played for the Islanders for a little bit. He's been working in this season in player development for the Islanders, and uh, I'll always remember him for his contribution to that cup run. Uh, I've got the t-shirt with his name on it, his name's on the cup, so... Thanks to Dennis Seidenberg for his service with the Bruins, for helping the team win the Cup, and uh, we wish him all the best moving forward. That's it for today's edition of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Again, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, your favorite team every day. Uh, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, it's at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can follow me at ENC McLaren. And again, uh, subscribe, download, rate, review, the show wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, uh, those star ratings really do help uh, the show gain some traction. And uh, I really do appreciate anyone who takes the time to rate the show positively and uh, offer some uh, words of encouragement as well. So we'll take, uh, yeah, take it easy tonight, friends. Enjoy the evening off from Bruins Hockey. Check back tomorrow with some notes from practice and uh, maybe some tip-offs in terms of what the lineup will look like Saturday night against the Blues and whether David Krejci is able to come back. Have a great Easter Thursday, friends, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.